Okay. All right, so just briefly this morning, um, some of the things you're going to hear, maybe you've not heard before, okay? And, uh, but don't worry about it, because God will explain them to us. And uh, some things you probably have, some you haven't, but don't worry, because the way that I think and I believe that it is, is that God's just redeeming the time in our life through teaching and preaching possibly that we didn't get or maybe that we didn't understand at certain times in the past so don't worry about it but there's obviously there's so much in the word of God and it's all ours it's all for us so don't get if there's a lot if you think it's a lot and a lot of scriptures don't worry about it God will give it to us and give it to you and I as we need it but just coming and, and hearing it uh, the Holy Spirit is able to store it up in us and he will even if we don't have the capacity to understand it at that time he'll store it up in us and when right and he'll give it to us right when we when he knows that we can handle it and understand it because it's all ours it's just a matter of grow, growing and uh, growing in grace and knowledge so that's what it is. I'm going to read some things from the Old Testament. And when we read the things from the Old Testament, this is why, this is what can happen for us. And this is the reason why. Because, and again, I've mentioned this before, but someone said to me one time when I would speak about the things that are ours in Christ, the fact that we're in Christ and that Christ is in us, and how the Pauline epistles given by the Holy Spirit, the truths about Christ about who we are in him are foundational for us and there's a lot of believers that never had that foundation laid properly in their life someone said to me that I know and love very well said to me well what about all the Old Testament what about all those scriptures what about all the Psalms well the Psalms they were written obviously in the spirit of Christ yeah people David went through things but it was only in in a type because the last time I checked the last time I'm sure you guys checked is that that Jesus Christ in John 1 1 is the word and this is the word and the Psalms are the word and that he created everything and that everything is about him who truly is according to God the Father and the Holy Spirit but that's the way it is so but all those things in the Old Testament were types they were examples to teach us things about always who Christ has been and what he accomplished while he was on earth and the finality of it. But it was in types because in the Old Testament, their faith was looking forward to the cross. That's why you'll see in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, many of those uh, faith heroes, they died not and on earth, not receiving the fulfillment of those promises because they died before Christ actually came in his humanity and accomplished on the earth what was in God's mind in eternity always. But it was still theirs, and their faith looked forward to it. Our faith looks back to it. So their faith looked forward to the cross. Thank God ours looks back to it. We all meet at the cross where Christ finished the work for everybody. 
but there's types. So in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 6, it says this, Now these things were our examples, and the Greek word is, is the type. Now these things, everything about the Old Testament, all that they went through, the way God was towards them, the way they were towards God, it was all not just for them, but for us to understand to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they lusted. Now in that context, it's like, sure, we know that. But if we lust after things, you know, and we leave Christ, who's, who's our complete satisfaction, and when we do, boy, it's not good. Because look at what they went through in type. And then in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, it says, Now all these things happened unto them for examples. And even in the, in the margin of a lot of Bibles, the Greek word is types. All these things happen unto them for types. In other words, for things for you and I graphically to learn from. And they are written for our admonition upon whom, us, the church now, the ends of the world, world is not the world is going to end. It speaks of a particular time period on earth. Because the earth, Ephesians 3.21, Isaiah 45.17, will never end. Because God created it, and whatsoever he does, Ecclesiastes 3 verse 14, he does forever. So, heaven said that. <laughs> Hope I didn't say too much. And, and Joshua, and when we read the book of Joshua, it's like I told Diane a little ways ago. When you read uh, at the book of Ephesians, in type, the book of Joshua. So if you want to understand everything that we have in Christ that he's accomplished, in type was the book of Joshua. So in Joshua 1, it says this, in, in chapter 1, verse 1, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, the son of Nun. He didn't have any parents. He was the son of Nun. <laughs> Bad joke. Moses minister, and that's who he was. He, he, would, he would minister to in the things of God and in, in the help to Moses, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, Therefore, arise. And, and of course, God is always speaking to us. And in the midst of our circumstances, in the midst of our situations, when things seem, seem like they're dead and sight tells us that it looks like it's dead and it's over, what does he say to us? Because we're in Christ. What does he say? Arise. That's our position. We're above it all. We're above all of these. Ephesians 2, 6, we are seated with him positionally in with him in heavenly places we are that's a fact so we are already in our position in christ above every single thing that could happen to us on this earth and furthermore that's why paul would say it's uh, all these things are for our sakes in second corinthians 4 verse 15 how many all how do we rationalize that word all well you don't all things because we're in christ are for our sake they are. Because he always, in Deuteronomy 23, verse 5, even towards the, the nation of Israel, he always turns the, the curse into a blessing because it has to do with him and we're in him. So he says, arise. He's speaking to this man, Joshua. Now arise and then go. That's always what it is for us. It's to arise and 
and go. Go forward. Remember, too, in the armor in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, uh, verses uh, 14 to 18, is there any armor on the back? No. That armor is all in the front, protects the sides in the front because it's all about going forward in spiritual warfare. It's always about going forward. It's a rise and go. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Verse 3 says, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. Again, all of this is types, and we'll explain them in a little while. <laughs> From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, right? Sun rises in the east, so going down must be the west, right? Will be your coast. And then he said to Joshua this, there will not any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you because you're going to lead these people and you're going to arise and you're going to go. You're going to go forward like Moses. I will be with you. I will not fail you nor forsake you. That's a promise to all of us. But that was fulfilled in Christ. He will not leave us nor forsake us. He will not fail us. 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love, who God is, who Christ is, will never fail us. Can God fail? Can he fail us in Christ? Okay, so what can happen to us down here that we're not above and the one in whom won't fail and us in him, we can't. We can't fail. Doesn't mean we don't, right? That we might fail, but who took care of those? He took care of them. So what are we to be in verse 6? We're to be strong. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, verse 1, My son Timothy, I want you to be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. We have to only think about who we are in Christ. And when we do, there's always grace. And grace always is that provision from God for us to adjust to. What are we going to adjust to in the midst of circumstances and situations that come against us? We're going to adjust to the fact that we're in Christ and oh, by the way, he overcame them all. And he did it for us. So we're to be strong and of a what? A good courage. We're to have good courage. Because that's what he was saying to Joshua. For unto this people will you divide for an inheritance the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them. In other words, God promised them something. Can God lie in Titus 1, 2 and Hebrews 6, 18? And Numbers 23, verse 19, does God lie? Has he given us specific promises? And even to us personally, and they're called rhemas, when the Holy Spirit will take the word and really express it to us as like a personal promise, does God lie? Does he finish what he starts? Who can be against him? <laughs> 
Seriously. Who can be against him? And when? <laughs> Are we in him? Romans 8, verse 31. Psalm 56, verse 9. Right? Since God for you, who against you? Sometimes, sometimes we even choose to be in ourself against ourselves. Does it stop God? No. Why? Because how does he see us? Even when we don't function in who we are in Christ, does his view of us change? No. Because he's not going to tell a lie. And the truth is, we're in his son. And the truth is, he's accomplished everything for us. And God is for us in everything. In everything. So, just be courageous. Be, be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law. And for us, that simply means for us to constantly receive what Christ has finished and to continue in it to keep on receiving. Isn't that interesting? That's the Christian life. We are to continually receive what Christ has already finished. And then by continuing to receive. Okay, a lot of times when we fail, what's the first thing we want to do? When, usually in the natural when we fail is withdraw. But what does James 4 verse 8 say? Okay. So many times we've heard bad teaching and preaching or the leaning of the flesh to say to us, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your heart, you double-minded. Then draw near to God, and then he'll draw near to you. But that's not what the verse says. The verse says, draw near to God. And what then what will happen? And then God will draw near to you. Okay. Where do we draw near to him? Where are we located? Where has he positioned us? In his son. <laughs> That's right. We're sons and daughters. Draw near to God. Result when we do, when we think in terms of really who we are through the word, by faith and not by feelings, what do we see? God draws near to us. Okay. Can God the Father, right now, Jesus Christ is seated as God, but in perfect humanity next to the Father. Is that a true fact? In the word, it is. Will God ever withdraw himself from him? Where are we located? Draw near to God, result, and God will draw near to you. Then you cleanse your hands. <laughs> sinners, sinners. And then you purify your hearts. You're double-minded. And all he's saying is, listen, draw near. Yes, but I can't, though, God. Why? Because my hands are dirty. Well, who's the only one that can clean them? Oh, and by the way, when the little boy goes out, or the little girl goes out, leaves the house where mommy and daddy are, and goes out and plays, and maybe even gets into some mischief and has dirty hands, and there's no water around, what's the little kid going to do? And he, maybe he can't clean them himself. Well, what's he going to do? But what is she going to do? She's going to go home. 
the Father's going to clean them. Right? They're going to be cleansed. Fact of the matter is, that's what happens. Draw near to God. Result, he'll draw near to you. Then you cleanse your hands. Who's the only one that can cleanse our feet? Does it make us not who we are in Christ when our hands and our feet get dirty? Does it make the little boy and the little girl not part of the family when they come home with dirty hands and dirty feet? No. No, not at all. No. And they can draw near. God wants to instill in us a confidence. Not in the flesh to do whatever we would want to do in Romans 6, 1 and 15. Should I continue in sin that grace may abound? No, we hate it. We hate sin. Every one of us hates it. If we walk in the light and true honesty and the receiving of his love for us, I mean, we hate it. We hate, we hate sin. We hate failure. And it starts in us. <laughs> we really do hate it. But it doesn't make us any less than who we are in his son. And that's why the little boy and the little girl can go home because they're still a part of that family. They're still a part of that family. Nothing can change that because it wasn't their will that caused them to be born in that family. It had to do with the father. And the mother helped too, by the way. <laughs> but that's why they were born. They were born into there. And uh, that's the truth of the matter. So we always can draw near to God. It's like Peter. Remember when Peter in Luke, the fifth chapter, they're out fishing all night. They didn't catch anything. And who knows? They probably shouldn't have been out there. But they were out there fishing all night. They didn't catch anything. And they finally came to shore. And as they were coming to shore, Jesus is on the shore and he yells out to them. And he's saying something very key. And he yells out to them, you, you know, children. That's what he says to children. Have you caught any meat? Did you get any fish? No, because they were out there trying to perform it in their own strength and in their own direction. So Jesus is standing on the shore. You think he knew they didn't catch anything? Right? But he's trying to draw their attention away from themselves to him. And that's always what he's trying to do with us. And that's why that's the place he never fails us nor forsakes us. We're in his son. So God can't do fail us or forsake us. He can't lie because he's in his son and his son is full of grace and truth. No lies there. No lies. And when we know who we are in Christ, we can, he'll all, we can always have grace to adjust and then walk in the truth of who we are. And that's a place where lies can't be. That's where the enemy tries to come in and make failures ours, make us try to perform. We've said before, Job 23, verse 14, he performs the thing that he requires. So what does he require of us? To receive grace, to receive something we don't deserve so that we live in the performance of another who can never fail us and will never forsake us. So Peter, he yells out to them, if you can't, no, he says, throw your net on the right side. Put your net on the right side. And boy, when he did, they couldn't even pull the fishes in. That was so full. And because the right side always speaks, and remember, 
Jesus is seated in humanity, perfect humanity as God, but in his humanity on the right side. Psalm 110, verse 1, Acts 2, verse 34 and 35, Hebrews 1, 12 and 13, Hebrews 10, 12 and 13, and the right side, and the stars, those messengers in the seven churches in Revelations 1, 20, were in his right hand. And his right hand speaks of his absolute approval. He finished it. So God's view of us in Christ is we are seated in his son on the right hand. Fully approved. God over us completely satisfied. And not requiring a thing from us but to constantly receive what is ours in Christ. Put it on the right side. Now you're going to find more than your need met on the right side. And then what does Peter do? And that's usually what we do, usually, or we can do. Some of the real spiritually mature might not do that, <laughs> hopefully. But some do. We all do. That's the truth of the matter. And then he pulls it in, and he falls at Jesus' feet, and all he can say is, Depart from me, Lord. I am a wicked, evil man. Depart from me. Right? Apart from me. Depart from me, Lord. My only source, my only strength. Depart from me. Really? No, James 4, 8. Draw an eye to God. No, I have to go through these feelings, these bad feelings. I have to rehearse them. I have to go through them. No, no, no. You... You go fishing on that side, you're not gonna, it's not there. Don't go fishing. God doesn't want us to go fishing in our flesh, in our performance, or go by our feelings. Spirituality has nothing to do with our feelings. The truth that we already are spiritual, fully in Christ, has to do with faith, absolute dependence upon Christ and what he's accomplished. When we have this foundation laid in us, then we can build ourselves up in Jude 20 and 21 on our most holy faith. And in doing so, we keep ourselves in the love that God always has for us. Always. There's never a time that God doesn't love us. So put you in on the right side. But just, we need to not be like Peter. And Peter had to learn it. He had to learn it the hard way. He had to come to the end of himself before he would start relying on himself. That's what God has to do with us. Get us to the end of ourselves. Get us to the place where we function in one who has never failed us nor forsakes us. And I was going to get into a bunch of different things, but God's steering that right away. See, that's what he does. Right into things that he knows, even beyond you and I, what we need. <laughs> but we don't even know what we need until we get into his presence. In other words, get out of our... Get out of that. Don't function in a double mind. Yes, I know who I am in Christ, but my feelings tell me I'm this, and I have to deal with it. No. Wasted time, wasted energy. Wasted time, wasted energy. Instant. That's why for years God has brought me to the place to always teach it because I had to learn it, and I still have to learn it in my life. Instant grace rebound. I shop at IGR. That's where I do all my shopping. 
IGR, instant grace rebound. Instantly. Confess it and get right back on with it. Get right back on with it by faith. By absolute dependence. We don't have to depend upon our feelings to experience the victory that's already ours. We don't have to go through. We don't have to jump through these hoops. We're not in a three-ring circus, thank God. Although sometimes it can seem that way. But that's only when we start trying to function in the flesh. Seriously. And then we try and juggle. How many of us can really even juggle? I mean, we don't have it, really. And even those that can, they're still in the circus. Really. They're not going to go anywhere. What are they doing with those? (laughs) Seriously, what are they doing with them? Okay, you can do that, but what are you doing with that? Where are you going with that? So the whole issue is that, is this, and and we've already, we've already been delivered from all of those things. And what I wanted to get into, and possibly we can tonight, is the fact that, just remember, Israel was in Egypt. They were in Egypt for 400 years and in bondage, right? And then God, he raised up a deliverer. Moses. It's like that movie Moses. You know, when the, when the Pharaoh was on his deathbed, he, he swore he was never going to mention his name again, but he was on his deathbed and he finally said it. Moses. Because he was the deliverer. And he was a type of Christ to deliver 2.4 million Jews out of over 400 years of slavery and in bondage and under the taskmasters of Pharaoh with their whips, and Pharaoh, type of Satan, and all, they were in this bondage, and so God has them in Exodus 12, 13, they were to slay a lamb, then take the blood, take a hyssop, which would speak of faith, these are all types, dip it in the blood, strike it on the two side posts, and on the lentil, which would speak of you and I receiving Christ as our Savior. And so we are inside the house feasting on the lamb. And then when the death angel comes by, he passes us by, and that's why it's called the Passover. (laughs) So when you see that in Israel, it's called the Passover, and the Jews, they celebrate it. It's the Passover in type for them the Messiah is still to come for us he's already come and we have in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7 Christ our Passover so they were to feast on it and they're feasting on it and then after a certain period of time they were to be led out and they were led out of their bondage led by the deliverer Moses the type of Christ then they were led to the impossible by sight, the Red Sea. Really? There was a bunch of little reeds in that sea, and it made it look red, and that's why they call it the Red Sea. And so here's this sea before them. Here's mountain range on either side, and the fiercest army in the world, hot on their tail to get them right back into bondage again. Yeah. Wants to get us right back into bondage again. Thinking that God somehow is going to fail us or forsake us. Lies. 
We're just, we're gonna, we're, we were in the inside. We were feasting on the lamb while the death angel passed by because we're in Christ, our Passover. And then, then what, is, what happens? Moses takes his rod, which speaks of the authority that was given to him to part the waters of judgment. Remember, he's the type of Christ. The waters are spread open and we pass just like them. They pass on dry ground. Judgment, we pass right through it. Because why? We're feasting on, we're in Christ. And then we go through it. So the Red Sea, the Passover together speak in type of Christ dying for us. That's what it speaks of. Christ died for us. And in Romans 6, 9, he that dies once dies no more. And then in Hebrews 2, 9, he tasted death for all of us. And in Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, all those people, all their lifetime, who through the bondage of the fear of death were kept in bondage, Christ put on humanity and he died for us. Hebrews 2, 15. So we go right through it. Then they're in the wilderness. So in between being delivered, Christ dying for them, and before they go into the Jordan River, and we'll explain that briefly, there's this wilderness. (laughs) Wilderness experience. That's the world system. Here we are in this wilderness system. Listen, is there anything in there that can really satisfy us? Truthfully, that will last, that will give us comfort, that will give us peace, that will give us unbelievable satisfaction, that will give us an intimate relationship with God. We're in the wilderness. We're passing through. But what they did was they had... And what I wanted to speak on today, and we'll share a little bit possibly on it tonight, is Christ, our spiritual food. He was our food that we ate to deliver us from death. He's their food, like he's our food in the midst of the wilderness. Remember in the wilderness, in Numbers, the 16th chapter, and the 15th verse, the manna came down from heaven to feed them while they were in the wilderness. And the whole time, they were good boys and girls. No, they murmured just like none of us would do, and they were complaining, and they freaked out, and they got overwhelmed, but the manna still kept coming down and because they were in the wilderness. And what's the manna a picture of? Then we go to the one who fulfilled it in John, the sixth chapter, and we see in verses 33 and 35, 48 to 51, right up to verse 57, right through to the end, Christ, he's that bread that came down from heaven to feed us not only save us and deliver us from hell but to take us all the way through the wilderness this world system to learn and what he what he, what the Lord said to Moses and to the people I, for these 40 years in Deuteronomy 8 2 and 3 you, you've walked this earth because I'm teaching you I need to teach you that your life does not consist in bread only in the details of life but that you will learn to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Today, that's preaching. The word Christ, it's preached to us. I'm just the mouth, that's it. They're his words, 
Jeremiah found them in Jeremiah 15, verse 16, in the midst of his circumstances that were very intense, very difficult, very hard, and he ate them, and they became the sweetness in his belly. It changed his whole outlook by taking them and eating them. Christ our food through the wilderness. Then they come, and they're all set to go into the promised land, the land to the Jews, God's earthly people his promise is they're going to have their own land you think of anything that goes on today with those Arab 21 Arab nations Hezbollah and all these other factions and ISIS and all these and Russia what's going on with Russia and China China now has the greatest economy in the world not the United States but Russia and all these enemies you think they're going to stop Israel They think they're going to take Israel's land. Really. Russia really wants to take Israel. They're in league with the Arab nations because then they're going to control the oil. You don't have a military machine without oil. You can't do very much without it. And they want Israel because of the Dead Sea. Over $2 trillion worth of mineral worth. And they want all the... What God has done to them. In the midst of their desert, you read in Isaiah 35, verse 1, in the midst of a desert, this rose bloomed. Oh, impossible. Look what Israel's doing. And they want it. You think it's going to stop him? Because he made them a promise. And faithful is he who's called him. Them who will also do it in 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. And he's promised it. In Numbers 23, 19, he promised it. And God promised in Titus 1, 2, and Hebrews 6, 18, he's not going to lie, he's going to fulfill it. There were unconditional promises and covenants that God entered into. How much more for us in Christ, because it was just a type. The land spoke of their promise, God's promises. For us, it's Christ. All the promises of God in Christ, in 2 Corinthians 1, 20, are yea, yes, and amen. That's it. It's done. That's what it means. But to get into the promised land, to experience their promised land, they had to go through the Jordan. And what's the Jordan representative of? And it was at its height. It was at its height. You read it in Joshua, those first few chapters. They had to cross it in Joshua, the third chapter. They had to get cross it. But the priest had to put his feet in first. That's a picture of Jesus Christ. He put his feet in first. He's gone through everything for us first. Everything. He's the one that leads us right through. He who leads us through into the land of promise is where all the promises are fulfilled. And guess what? We're in them. But that's a picture. Like the Red Sea and the Passover was a type of Christ dying for us to cross over the the Jordan into the land of promise is us dying with Christ. We accept our death with with him. And when we understand these truths about what he's done with us and our death with him, oh boy. That's Colossians 3, verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Verse 3, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God where all the promises are yes and amen. They're fulfilled in him and we just continually receive them. First by grace, and then we experience, in our experience, the truth. So we go right through into 
the promised land. We experience all the fruit and the, of all the promises that we have in Christ. And they still ate. They stopped eating manna once they left the wilderness. Now they, could, they just feasted on when they got into, and you'll see, and we'll see it maybe later, we'll get into the old corn, that they ate the old corn of the land when they got into the promised land, and they still kept the Passover. They still kept feast, feasting on one, feasting, and it became a part of their experience about what Christ has always done and who they are in him, based upon what he did for them. And all of those, all of that is in these, these types all types and Christ is the great anti-type and we already have in a much greater way than what they ever had because we are in the heavenlies all the enemies that they faced in Joshua were flesh and blood but in Ephesians 6 verse 12 we wrestle not and then when Paul wrote that through the Holy Spirit in type he's looking at Joshua he's looking at the book of Joshua for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers. It's much more. It's a much more intense conflict because it's a much, it is the highest position that any people can have in Christ. They were never married to him. He was their Messiah. He's their Savior, no less. And they're in the heavens. But we are in Christ in the heavenlies. To understand all that, you get into the book of Hebrews. You know what? And it's all ours. And what are we to do? Just to leave it there because it's too many scriptures? I mean, don't take the college course to become whatever you want to be because it's just too much information and I can't handle this. Too, really? <laughs> My God, how much more for us? Some nurses... Don't take the college course. I mean, to understand all that nursing stuff? Oh, my word. It's just... Ah! Oh. But boy, once you know how to function, as a nurse, you not only can help yourself, how many more can you help <laughs> when you get to know the facts? How much more? And that's what this is all about. So we'll get into the old corn. We'll get into those things tonight, uh, possibly. Depends on what God had, because I studied all this other different stuff. Then I got up this morning, got in there, and God said, eh, something totally different. I went, oh, okay. This. All right. Okay. So, it's good when he has his way with us. When God has his way with us. And his only way with us is what? Jesus Christ. I am the way. Is there any other way? Is there any other way in any relationship for it to function other than Christ? Should we go anywhere else other than in Christ? I'm the way. So when we walk in the right way, what do we experience? The truth. <laughs> and those are those little thus, the way, the truth, and the life are the Greek article. And all that's doing is pointing. It's going, see this? This way, no other way. When you walk in that way, then you have this truth. There is no other truth. And then when you have the truth experientially in your life, then you'll have this life. There isn't any, there is no life outside of him. He is life. 1 John 5, 11. So, Father, we thank you for the truth, the facts of who we are in Christ. And we're constantly learning and growing. 
into who we already are in Christ. And when we function in the truth, when we function in your way, Christ, your truth, Christ, we experience our life, Christ, and no lies, and nothing can touch us. We are in 1 John 5, 18, we are untouchable in Christ when we function in absolute dependence upon the truth of who we are we are untouchable we are the untouchables the whole world may may lie the whole world system that we're in right now in this wilderness may lie in the lap of the evil one in 1 John 5 19 but while we are in it we're not of it we are in Christ and we need to continue to feed on him we fed on him when we needed him in salvation. We need to feed on him while we're in this wilderness time. But we already have the word of promise in Jesus Christ, and we need to continually feast on those things to learn and to grow in them in Jesus' name. 